0: Our Road to Walk, Then and Now, is copyright protected. It may not be used or sampled without the owner's written permission. Welcome to Our Road to Walk, Then and Now, a podcast brought to you from Warren County, North Carolina. It's known as the birthplace of the environmental justice movement. I'm Deborah Ferruccio.
1: And I'm Ken Ferruccio.
0: In our last episode, we shared with our listeners how we had been organizing the community in our opposition to the PCB landfill threat. The county was more than buzzing now, it was humming smoothly. Even though state officials had chosen to use the timing during holidays against us, the trick may have worked in our favor. People had more time off from regularly scheduled school or jobs to help with community organizing. The phone chain was functioning as only a seasoned, small-town, rural grapevine can. People wanted to be the first to tell their families, friends, neighbors, and associates about the PCB landfill threat and about the community's opposition to the state's plan. The recent courthouse meeting had helped to solidify the public sentiment and had given the people a direction. Now the plan would be to gain momentum and to be ready with a formidable opposition in time for the January 4th hearing. Frances Davis was especially effective in convincing people countywide to see that a PCB landfill in Afton would affect the entire county. She was not only an Afton resident, but she was a true pillar of the community. She played the organ at the First Baptist Church in Warrenton and was the assistant to the superintendent of Warren County Schools. Her help and her influence were critical because she gave an important legitimacy to Warren County concerned citizens. Following the courthouse meeting, France has arranged for the steering committee to meet at the Warren County Board of Education. It was the afternoon of Wednesday, December 27, 1978. Lou Myers of Soul City suggested that Larry Limer serve as chairman of the committee and that Ken handle press releases. Larry suggested that Ken be the hardliner with the uncompromising political stance to show the state that we meant business and that testing the public sentiment was just as important as testing the soil. We had inferred from Kelly's statement that the storage plan was a threat to our political freedom, but was it in fact a threat to our environment? As we attempted to answer this question, Carol and Larry suggested that we take Afton resident Ninny and Beale's advice and hire an independent soil scientist. They recommended Professor Charles Malkay, a native of Warren County and a graduate of the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. Dr. Malkai taught at the University of Maryland and was home for the holidays. The Limers knew him to be a scientist of integrity, committed to an impartial search for the truth. It was decided to try to meet with him on Friday, December 29, 1978.
1: After discussing the logistics of getting the commissioners to pass a resolution against the PCB landfill at a meeting that was being planned for January second, I reminded the steering committee that according to the state's negative declaration statement, Preparation of the site for the PCB disposal was to begin in early March. That doesn't give us much time, I said. What if we can't legally stop them? After much discussion, committee members all agreed that they would commit themselves to civil disobedience only as a last resort, and with that decision the meeting ended. The plan had been that I would call reporter Chip Pearsall after the meeting and let him know what happened at the meeting. But Chip didn't wait for me to call him. That evening, just after we got back from the meeting, Pearsall called. Deborah gave him some specifics concerning the meetings we'd attended and also concerning the two important meetings that were just uh, days away and then handed the phone to me. Do you anticipate militancy, Ken? Pearsall asked right away. Due process first, then civil disobedience. There can be no question about that, Chip. We will do all we can through due process of law. That night, I couldn't sleep. I kept thinking of the statement that I'd made to Pearsall. It wasn't that I had any regrets about what I had said. I had expressed only what had been agreed upon unanimously by the steering committee. Still, I was well aware that the community had only recently begun to recover from the tensions of school desegregation, so the words civil disobedience were likely to make many people, blacks and whites, uneasy.
0: What made Ken uneasy, though, was the thought that men and women in government who had enjoyed the privileges of an excellent education were turning their educations against Warren County. They were using the sophisticated processes they'd learned in school in order to secure a dumping ground in Warren County. They were taking advantage of the county's rural poverty, its insufficient education, sparse population, and lack of representation in state government. Ken worried how our government representatives, with their knowledge of science, technology, and law, were taking advantage of residents of Warren County, and these thoughts ignited a righteous anger in him.
1: I knew we desperately needed time. We needed to organize our forces, research, and analyze the issues. We needed to make this view known through as many modes of communication as possible to reach all the people. I knew that we would need time to build into the public consciousness the facts that would support opposition to the PCB landfill, otherwise we'd be accused of being overly emotional. I got out of bed and framed a press statement which I communicated to Governor Hunt through the Associated Press that morning. I would use this mode of communication to converse with the Governor and his administration for many years to come. Due process first, then civil disobedience. If Governor Hunt does not stop the Afton-PCB plan, I will urge that the members of the Warren County Citizens Against PCBs officially declare themselves a participatory democracy. I will urge that we no longer recognize the legitimacy of representative government because that government will have shown itself to be unrepresentative of our will. I will then ask the NAACP, the National Association for Advancement of Colored People, and other organizations concerned about individual human rights participate with us in civil disobedience to stop the plan. I myself am morally and ethically committed to the nonviolent tradition of Mahatma Gandhi and Martin Luther King. However, as a participatory democracy means every person his own spokesman, every person his own vote, I cannot speak for others. I cannot say they are committed to nonviolence. I will do all in my power to keep the demonstrations peaceful. In effect, I was saying, we are issuing an ultimatum. We are drawing a line in the sand. Do not cross this line until you have convinced us that the ultimatum should be withdrawn, the line in the sand erased. The press statement was my way of slowing the process down my own interpretation of the steering committee's uncompromising political stance.
0: On Thursday, December 28th, everyone who could continued to inform others about the facts concerning the impending PCB dump. The telephone campaign was in full force. Leaders of organizations were asked to pass resolutions. Business owners were asked to speak against the PCB landfill and to support a newspaper ad opposing it. Ministers were asked to inform their congregations about the dangers of PCBs and the importance of attending the commissioner's meeting and the EPA hearing. We knew that numbers of people could be reached in the churches. We also knew that a lot of people could be reached through the weekly Warren record, which was published the same day, December 28. Ken, your letter to the editor had been titled by the editor, Afton PCB Storage Plan Called Threat, and it was sure to rally the citizens.
1: I began my letter to the editor by establishing Deborah and me as landowners, though small landowners, who chose to live in Warren County not because it was economically advantageous to do so, but because we enjoyed, quote, the assets of unspoiled land, clean air, and water, close quote. I pointed out that this quote was from a speech Governor Hunt had made the previous year at a Warren County National Guard Armory meeting where the governor had outlined his plans for economic growth and development. I also quoted from a News and Observer article we had found that had said, Contaminants of PCBs are among the most toxic known to man, triggering mysterious chemical mistakes and falling from mother to child. And I then asked the reader what future generations would someday say of the citizens if they accepted the state's position that their public sentiment would not deter the state from purchasing privately owned land in Warren County for a PCB landfill, and that the state had the legal authority to do so. In closing my letter, I argued that the legal issues were far more complicated than they appeared to be on the surface because a property owner does not own the air, the groundwater, and the surrounding soil. That Thursday, December 28, 1978, I decided to visit my brother, Richard, who lived nearby. I shared with Richard my statement to the Associated Press. That's some pretty serious stuff that you're saying, Ken. Let's have some coffee and we'll discuss things. Ken, Richard said, you can't think of the state as a human being are being fair-minded or noble-hearted like your idealized projections of the professors you used to talk about. The state is a machine. Money can. Money. That's all the state cares about, and you're beginning to get in the way of some big money. Just as Richard was finishing his point, Deborah knocked on Richard's door.
0: I had brought along a friend, Jim Whitley, who was also Warren County's assistant county manager. Jim had come to our cabin to ask us to disclose an inside story that would surely rock the county. Because Jim feared for his job, he asked to remain anonymous. Jim wanted me to go with him the next morning to share the story with a News and Observer reporter. It was a story about a planned trip for the day by state and local officials, economic developers, and businessmen. We learned that the group had flown on the governor's own plane to uh, tour a toxic chemical waste facility in Emile, Alabama, the same facility to which the PCBs would have been taken if Governor Hunt had chosen to haul them to this already EPA approved landfill. The facility was owned by Waste Management Incorporated, the largest waste company in the nation and one of the largest in the world. We learned that the company had purchased an option on approximately 500 acres of land near the rural Inez community of Warren County with the intention of building a commercial multi state toxic waste facility. The land was owned by Mr. Monroe Gardner, who had already leased the nearby property that he had for the temporary PCB dump. He was a member of the Warren County Industrial Development Commission, and he had been the governor's 1976 Warren County campaign manager. Shell-shocked with the news that Warren County was being attacked on two fronts, Ken and I left Richards and headed down the road to Francis's, where a press conference was scheduled with Shawna Singletary of Durham's WTVD News. A while later, with the cameras rolling, Miss Singletary asked Ken, what do you think will happen if the state decides to go ahead with the Afton plan? Ken, you repeated verbatim what you had told the Associated Press. Due process first, then civil disobedience. The following morning, I went with Jim Whitley to Raleigh to meet with reporter Bruce Seisloff of the News and Observer. We told Bruce about Waste Management's intention to build a mega-toxic waste facility in Warren County, but he believed our story was somewhat far-fetched. I told him that since he already seemed to have formed an opinion, he obviously couldn't be an objectively thorough investigative reporter. I told him that we'd go somewhere else with our story, somewhere not so close to the Capitol. Mr. Seisloff then decided it would be prudent to take a closer look at things and began to take notes on the information that we shared with him.
1: Deborah, you and Jim had returned to Warrington just in time for you to catch the last part of the steering committee meeting at the Board of Education office. The majority of the discussion at this point was about hiring Professor Malkai, who was at the meeting, to analyze the site itself and to give citizens his independent assessment of the state's PCB landfill plan. We didn't have any idea how we'd get the money to pay him but we knew that if citizens' opposition to the state's PCB plan were to be convincing, we would require scientific facts. On the way home from the steering committee meeting, Deborah, you and I stopped at Francis' house. Sylvia showed us that the News Observer had just published an article by Pearsall titled PCB Storage Plan Earth's Opposition in Warren that began as follows. A state plan to permanently store illegally dumped PCBs in Warren County has heated up the citizenry and given rise to an opposition group that threatens to use lawsuits and even civil disobedience to block the plan. Pearsall emphasized Kelly's public sentiment statement and reported how citizens had organized a concerned citizens group and a steering committee that had reached a consensus concerning taking legal action. The article continued, Ken Furucho, organizer of the group, said the protesters would defy authorities if they had to. Fruchot said opponents would use due process and then civil disobedience. He mentioned the possibility of setting up tents on the proposed dump site to block work. We don't have much choice, Fruchot said. Our families and children are involved. We have to appeal at the ideological level. Sylvie then also handed us a copy of the Durham Morning Herald with an article titled Threat is raised of disobedience in PCB dispute. It began, quote, An organizer of a citizens' group said Thursday the protesters will resort to civil disobedience if necessary to halt the plan by state officials. The article continued, Ken show of the ad hoc group Citizens Concerned About PCBs, said the protesters were working on the county level with the National Association of the Advancement of Colored People. He said the manner in which the group would defy authorities has not been worked out. Sylvia was nearly shaking. You don't really know the ramifications of what you are saying, do you, Ken? It's only been a few years since this county and the schools were integrated, and people, blacks and whites and others, have some bad memories that they associate with civil disobedience, folks are really going to be upset. We may lose a lot of our support. I could understand Sylvia's response to the news and why others might react as she had suggested, but given the news of waste management's plans for one County, my civil disobedience, bottom line was fortuitously appropriate.
0: I then told Francis and Sylvia about Jim's news about waste management and about our visit to the News and Observer and our meeting with reporter Bruce Sysloff. I told him of his skepticism and his cool response at first with our visit. Frances decided to do some investigating of her own. She contacted County Manager Glenwood Newsom about the trip she had heard he and the other officials had recently taken. Newsom was evasive, jokingly responding to her that they'd gone golfing in Florida. So then Francis decided to call Attorney Charles White, who, she learned, had also gone on the trip. White confirmed everything the source had told us. We knew for certain that the stakes for Warren County were as high as they could be. That evening, uh, you, Ken, spoke on WVSP's community awareness program, and you were able to tell the public about the new news that we had concerning the second uh, waste assault on Warren County. On the following day, December 30th, the News & Observer published an article titled, Waste Firm Eyes NC Site for New Dump. It began as follows. In the midst of growing opposition to the state's plan for a PCB disposal dump in western Warren County, an Illinois-based firm is considering building a huge hazardous waste dump in the eastern part of the county. The article continued. State and county officials said Friday the two coincidental proposals were unrelated. Bob C. Goforth, director of the Governor's Task Force for Small Community Economic Development, said the firm, Waste Management Incorporated of Oakbrook, Illinois, hoped to build a landfill for the safe disposal of hazardous industrial, municipal, and other waste capable of serving all of North Carolina and several nearby states. The article continued. A group of nine Warren County officials were flown in the governor's airplane Thursday to Livingston, Alabama, on a tour arranged by Goforth of a similar waste dump operated by Waste Management. That dump is certified by the Environmental Protection Agency for the disposal of PCB and other dangerous wastes. It's just wrong to tell you the truth for it to even be discussed in Warren County, uh, said Monroe Gardner of Warrenton, who owned the land under consideration by Waste Management Incorporated. By now, Mr. Gardner had been confronted by a number of Warren County folks who were disturbed at the news, including Frances Davis. She had called Mr. Gardner and chewed him out as a friend and fellow Baptist for even considering selling his land for a toxic waste dump.
1: Why did Waste Management contact local officials after months of silence and invite them with little notice to tour the Alabama chemical waste facility while heated PCB landfill opposition was growing by the day? Perhaps it was the hard-line threat of civil disobedience that motivated these officials suddenly to reveal this second waste assault. Perhaps they decided it would be better to take their chances with an irate citizenry now rather than later when opposition could grow even more powerful. Whatever their reasoning was, their thinking was erroneous and based on old assumptions. They had miscalculated the public response. The ill-timed trip to Alabama served only to solidify citizen suspicion that the PCB landfill was to be another foothold for a larger waste disposal plan.
0: Wasn't the progression clear? First in September, state officials had sneaked into Warren County, a temporary PCB landfill. Then they threatened to force a permanent PCB landfill in Afton for all the PCBs in the 15 counties. Now we knew that they also wanted to site a huge interstate hazardous waste landfill facility that could eventually serve the whole country. Officials had clearly shown their hand. The battle to protect Warren County from PCBs was escalating into a bigger war against toxic aggression. The surprise news about waste management's behind-the-scenes intentions for Warren County proved to be incendiary. The waste management news was a kind of flashpoint that would ignite Warren County citizens and fire them up with a wrath that would build to the January 2nd commissioner's meeting and explode at the January 4th public hearing. It was the kind of surprise news that we mentioned in an earlier podcast, how Governor Hunt's economic development, modus operandi, in his four terms in office, set a standard for surprise announcements of major economic development projects and that like a firewall, this technique kept local citizens and environmental protection agencies in the dark until all the deals had been made. We're going to continue to share in episodes to come our documented record of the origins of the environmental justice movement as it emerged in Warren County, North Carolina, and how this movement has influenced environmentalism at large. You'll also hear how the resistance in Warren County to Governor Hunt's PCB landfill plans and his plans for economic development based on hazardous waste disposal would not only determine our lives in Warren County, but also the lives of numerous communities across North Carolina for years to come, forcing so many of us to stand up to his toxic aggression legacy in order to help save North Carolina and the region from becoming a destination wasteland. Thanks for listening. Please join us next time on Our Road to Walk.